if you ever get a chance uh, to do a job where you get to talk with people you deeply admire, uh, I really suggest you take a, a shot at that. Have you had those opportunities in your life? You get a chance um, to talk really candidly with someone you have grown to admire or learned about or followed. Um, I guess I don't want to use the word followed. I'd prefer we just follow the Lord Jesus. About to hear a discussion I had uh, with uh, a gentleman who is an author of a book series that I just fell in love with. It's the Shepherd series. And the last book is just out now. It's called Dark Fall. And both the guys who write these books served in our military. And the writing team is Andrews and Wilson. And Brian was not able to come to this interview. He's a sick child. Um, not anything, not anything uh, too dangerous. Thank God. Uh, Jeffrey Wilson, uh, likes to be called Jeff, joined us. And I thought we were going to talk about the books. And, and we did We did end up talking about the books. And the books, I, I would suggest that the books are a little bit, it'd be like this. It'd be like Lone Survivor meets The Chosen, in a way. And that it's a story about elite warriors who come to recognize that they need spiritual help and they get it. But in a very active sense, they, they end up with spiritual guides in the field. In other words, as they say, downrange. And the books took me by surprise because of the scope of the plot. The conversation with Jeff Wilson didn't necessarily take me by surprise because I'd not met Jeff in person, uh, but it thrilled me the scope at which we talked as, as guys. It was in war where I truly came to accept and recognize the nature of good and evil. You know, in, in church and in, in ministry, we talk a lot about the good, but we don't spend very much time talking about the bad and the and the evil. And, and I can't I don't think you can have one without the other. But those of us that have been called to go to horrible places and do horrible things have truly seen evil up front and face to face. We talked about that and about what it does to some people and their mission. They have a mission to help fellow vets. Uh, and he also has messages for those of us who were not did not serve. He said something very profound to us. I want you to hear that. And I did talk to them about this, talk to Jeff about the struggle uh, with PTSD that a lot of a lot of folks who are deep into combat uh, end up having to confront. You know, you summed it up that it's okay to not be okay. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's a big step when you're serving still, when you're on active duty, you can't you can't accept that very easily because there's the next hump, there's the next deployment. But I think that another thing that's very real, and I think most people that have served can can identify with this, you kind of are okay until you're not. And when you're in a very high operational tempo, temp, like we do in special warfare, you don't really have time to not be okay. And so you are. <laughs> yeah. um, there's the next hump. You don't want right. to be left behind. You, yeah. want to, you want to get on that next deployment. You yeah. want to get to the next thing. And so it's a very common story that we hear where people are like, you know, I separated or I moved to some other billet that where I'm not deploying and stuff like that. And things from like eight years ago suddenly crashed in on me. Like I thought I was okay because I was okay. Jeff Wilson, part of the Andrews and Wilson writing team, the legends, join us on the Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. 
from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And the times in which we find ourselves, man, they are a time in which we need to gather every possible resource uh, for keeping ourselves strong. And one of those resources is healthy sleep. It is. Um, (laughs) That's the only time the body restores itself. Just fact. And my pillow helps with that, uh, with healthy sleep. They have brought to us a series of specials that only exist for the Todd Herman Show audience. And you know about the pillows being, of course, people who are aware of Mike Lindell and who Mike Lindell is. But I don't know if you're completely aware of the full line of offerings at MyPillow, specifically the sheets. Um, This is the first time I've had the sheets and everything that people say about them just absolutely resonates with me. And I remember talking with Mike Lindell about the sheets or not necessarily about the sheets, but about the pillows and saying, hey, obviously you, you have cornered a great big market in people who want to sleep well with the pillows. So what about the rest of the sleep products? He said, we're looking into things. And that was years ago and he hadn't found the sheet he liked. Well, he found one and I can see why he likes it. And these are, again, made in the United States of America. It'd be, they'd make so much more money if they decided to not do that, right? The pillows, they'd make so much more money if they made the pillows over in China or Taiwan or wherever. Now, with these sheets um, come in an array of colors, as you would expect, but it's the actual handling of the sheets and laying on the sheets that people absolutely rave about. And I can see why. So go to MyPillow.com slash Herman and use the promo code Herman. For deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, quality, 100% American-made. That's what MyPillow does. It's MyPillow.com slash Herman. And the quality bed sheets start at, you ready for this? $29.98. No, I'm not lying. Nope. I'm not misreading it. I'm looking at the copy again. $29.98 for the best sheets I think you're ever going to have. And plus, this, this, just the peace of mind of knowing you're standing with a brother who's standing against the party. They can't put a finger on this guy. And it comes from the right perspective. His decision to help people sleep came from not being able to sleep himself. That's why the company exists. MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman. These guys are both veterans of our military. Both of them know what combat is like. And the new series, the Shepherd series, is amazing. It's an honor to be able to welcome them to the Todd Herman Show. Jeff Wilson joins us this morning, part of the Andrews and Wilson writing team. And this is the new book, and I have it and you don't. Uh, well, you can get it now because it's out. And the Shepherd series, uh, very successful authors, as I said earlier. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Hey, great to be here. Brian said to tell you, sorry you couldn't be with us, but uh, I'll do my best to represent the brand. Well, you, you will do great at that. And I want to just get out uh, right in advance. I need to thank my friend Tim Cruikshank, uh, founder of Bonefrog Coffee, um, and of course, uh, served with you guys uh, in the armed forces uh, for setting this up and introducing us. And thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. Oh, we're happy to do it. Any friend of Tim's and all that, he's a good dude. And, and he makes great coffee. Like, <laughs> who would have, like if, I was, if I was to guess, like, what's the next step? 
for a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Definitely a vineyard and a coffee company, right? Like, yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, we when he sent us that first bag, we were like, well, okay, we'll give it a try, Tim. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really good coffee. So. Well, you know, one of the things you guys, uh, you know, learn is, is hire great team members. And he went out and got Dave Stewart, who's a coffee legend. That's right. Uh, to mentor and make some of the roasts. So let me just head off with a a super stock uh, book interview question, but I think it's really important uh, in the case of the Shepherd series, and I've finished all the books so quickly. Um, were you aware of the spiritual nature of warfare as you guys serve the country? Because the book does such a fantastic job of using fiction to describe uh, the fact that our, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Did, were you aware of that in your time during the military? Um, I think I, I think that's something that I evolved into during my time in the military. Um, another element in this book, in the first book that I'm sure you saw, which pretty forward in the book, um, is this idea of crisis in faith, this idea of how your faith can be shaken with the horrible things you see and do in, in war. And I think those two things are related. And so for sure, it's highly intentional that we tried to flesh that out based on experience. What I can say for sure is that it was in war where I truly came to accept and recognize the nature of good and evil. You know, in, in church, in, in ministry, we talk a lot about the good, but we don't spend very much time talking about the bad and the and the evil. And, and I can't I don't think you can have one without the other. But those of us that have been called to go to horrible places and do horrible things have truly seen evil up front and face to face. And that was something we wanted to flesh out in this book that we I think we represent in other books, but not the spiritual warfare, the the almost supernatural, biblically based supernatural elements of, of spiritual warfare that rage around us, in my opinion. So. For sure, that was something I evolved into an understanding of over time. Some of it after my time in the service and looking back and trying to heal, I think I saw things more clearly. But yeah, for sure, it's 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 real and it's intentional in the book. I know you're doing something in California at uh, Cavalry Church, and it's to help your fellow veterans and to gather. And let's you mentioned uh, healing. Let's get let's get that out in front. What's going on in California? Yeah, so Costa Mesa has uh, graciously invited us to their first, what we hope will be an annual event. They're doing a veterans event, uh, and it's a it's a multi multi pronged approach that they're doing. It's an all day event at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. Uh, you can go to their website and get more information. It's called Battle Scarred. It's for active duty and veterans uh, who are seeking community network healing. Uh, it's going to be the whole gamut from simple things such as not simple, but, you know, more more obvious things like transitioning from military to civilian, what that's like. That's a struggle for many of us, uh, all the way up to issues of crisis and faith. And there's a, going to be a ton of vendors there for support. So anyone that's in the Costa Mesa area, uh, we'd sure encourage you to come and, and meet us. We're going to be there. We're going to be talking uh, along with several others. And uh, it's going to be a really fun day. Uh, and a great opportunity to connect with with fellow military and veterans. Uh, well, you know, when you mentioned that and you mentioned healing, um, you know, Jeff, I have been blessed to get to know a lot of you guys. Um, and uh, there's one thing that I will say to guys. I, I love the movie Lone Survivor, and I love it for a very specific reason. Not only is it a great movie, it's a great film. It's a great story about great warriors. Um, the fact that Marcus survived that, I don't know how you guys do that, but you do. Um, and throughout that, there's a, a scene in that movie that gets me, and I watch it once a year. 
And I put myself through a stupid grinder of a CrossFit workout. And then, and as I go through this, I realize, and I go through the whole movie doing the workout and I get to a point where I want to quit because it's awful. I make it as boring a workout as can possibly be just mind numbing. And it's the scene where the guys are up on the cliff side and um, Axe has been shot uh, and there's brain matter on his helmet. And Axe says, dude, they shot me in the head. And Marcus, the character plays Marcus, is saying, are you okay, bro? Are you good? He goes, yeah, I'm good. We just got to get higher. We're going to kill a lot of these guys. And I watched that and I think about you guys. And I told the story once on the air about, you know, guys, it's okay to say you're not good. And I was blessed with a phone call from a guy who served. And it was a couple days before Thanksgiving. And he was in a parking lot with his mom. And she said, he needs to talk to you. And he said, I'm not good. And I was blessed with an opportunity to meet the brother. And so what do you say to guys? We'll get back to the book here, Jeff. I don't want to drag this down into this. But what do you say to brothers uh, who serve with you? And, and Christian brothers and non-Christian brothers, what do you say to folks who aren't good? Well, I mean, you, you know, you summed it up that it's okay to not be okay. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's a big step when you're serving still, when you're on active duty, you can't you can't accept that very easily because there's the next hump, there's the next deployment. But I think that another thing that's very real, and I think most people that have served can can identify with this, you kind of are okay until you're not. And when you're in a very high operational tempo, temp, like we do in special warfare, you don't really have time to not be okay. And so you are. Um, there's the next hump. You don't want to be left behind. You yeah. want to you want to get on that next deployment. You yeah. want to get to the next thing. And so it's a very common story that we hear where people are like, you know, I separated or I moved to some other billet that where I'm not deploying and stuff like that. And things from like eight years ago suddenly crashed in on me. Like I thought I was okay because I was okay until it was time to not be. And so what I tell people is that you have to remember that the community doesn't stop with the deployment. It doesn't stop with your DD-214 when you separate. Um, the community is still there. That's an that's an important thing for transition from military to civilian and finding job opportunities and finding your next place and career. But for people who are struggling with not being okay, it's the most important thing to remember that your brothers and sisters are still out there. Your uh, your teammates they're still out there and they have the same things. And you have to be brave enough to speak up and say, "Hey, do you ever struggle with this?" And you'll be amazed that. All of them do. Yeah. And they all will feed into you and, and you can go through this together. The only thing scary about not being OK is doing it by yourself. And when you realize that there's still an entire team, there's a, all that brotherhood and camaraderie is still there. And you can face this challenge together just like you did downrange. Yeah. All of a sudden it's it's doable. And uh, and so that's why things like this thing at Costa Mesa, the ministry that we lead here in Tampa uh, for for military and veterans, that's why it's so important. It's not about anything brilliant. I'm going to say on a Saturday morning, yeah. it's about being in community with people who have shared experience and lifting each other up, standing in the gap for one another and just being teammates together. So uh, that's, that's the most important message is to remember that you're not alone, yeah. that we're all still out here and we're all struggling with the same things. Yeah. And I would extend that for folks like me who, uh, you know, you guys fought my wars for me. Thank you. I didn't do that. And, uh, you know, I recently told my pastor something really personal and really emotional, uh, concern of fatherhood and, and mistakes. And, and my pastor, uh, shocked me, Jeff, he looked at me, he said, me too. 
I couldn't believe it. And the pastors aren't supposed to say that, but I mean, this extends into the body of Christ because guess what? Us too. Us too. You know, we haven't had to go, most of us go face evil like you did. I've faced it. I've seen evil face to face, you know, in a lot of ways, but not in ways that I had to kill or be killed. And you guys did that. So the hero of your book uh, series, uh, Jedediah Johnson, he faced that. Um, And Jedediah Johnson, when he came back, um, he found himself on an interesting new mission. And I don't want to give right. anything away about the books other than to tell you this, that the, the action sequences are so good. Um, the, the, but the, I was blown out by the plot line. That's what I didn't expect. Um, and you create a very special team of people who help the operators. Um, but they're not, they're not the ones doing it. They're connected to the Lord. Is there an analog like that? I mean, I know you've got military chaplains and, and those guys, like they go downrange with you guys. Right. So is there a model for this uh, in the military, in your experience, people like that, um, who through the connection to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the Lord Jesus, that they help you in that way? Not, I, I, there's nothing formal that I'm aware of, yeah. um, but certainly informally, when you're with the right group, with your you're with the right teammates, there are those that can speak that kind of truth into you in the heat of the moment um, there. I mean, I think everyone that's been in combat can think of a time where it's like, I can't deny the presence of evil, but I also can't deny the presence of something bigger than myself. That is why I'm still here. And then you struggle with the issues of, well, why not, you know, so-and-so, why is my friend not here? Why is my teammate not here? How does that decision? And that's a dangerous, dangerous question to start asking yourself. I want to, I want to comment before we talk about Jed about something you just said, because I think it's really important, Todd, this idea that, you know, okay, I I wasn't in war. I I didn't see this. I didn't confront evil that way. Our stuff is our stuff. And it's something that is a real struggle, uh, even in military guys. There are guys that were in support roles that didn't go out into the, you know, into the heat of battle. And they feel like their issues shouldn't be talked about because, well, I can't bring up, you know, the stress I have because this guy lost his legs. Your stuff is your stuff. And whether you're, whether you're never served and you're civilian and you're dealing with the loss of a child or you're dealing with the loss of a parent, a a fractured marriage or relationship, a loss of a job, a lack of direction, whatever your stuff is, it's no different than those of us that have served in the military. It's still your stuff. And that good and evil is still there. And God is still there trying to show you a path forward and trying to light that path for you. So I think it's really important that people remember that there's no hierarchy of struggle. We all have our own and the truths are the truths for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And, um, you know, I have a lone survivor hat I wear and someone once accused me of playing soldier for wearing it. And I said, well, number one, it's a movie. Uh, Number two, let me tell you why I wear it and and who gave it to me. Um, And it was actually uh, one of your brothers who gave it to me. And it was over a conversation about what you just said, uh, because I'd been talking with him about PTSD and trying to be a helping ear. And then I went through some monumentally difficult stuff. My wife and family and I did um, really scary stuff for our kid. And he said to me, Mark says, dude, you have PTSD. I'm, I don't have PTSD. You guys get PTSD. He goes, Todd, I'm watching you. And as you're talking about this, you're back in the moment. Your knuckles are white. You got dry mouth and you are ready to leap on top of somebody and beat somebody, right? Brother, that's everything you tell us. And so he gave me the hat because uh, we, we were in the midst of the fight. 
Jeff. And it was, of course, the, the logo or the, the motto of that movie is you're never out of the fight, or at least that's Marcus's motto, which leads us to a fictional um, Navy SEAL. Uh, but one of the most interesting, I think, Navy SEAL stories that I've ever seen, particularly related to um, this, Jedediah comes to a moment where he is confronted with the fact that you are being asked to get into a battle far larger than what you've done, even as you know, an, a, a highly decorated SEAL, much larger. But then the fact is, you've always right. been in it. So take me through the turning point uh, where Jedediah realizes, oh, my goodness, um, <laughs> this is bigger than I thought. And I thought I was in the big of the big. I thought it was in the darkest of the dark. Right. So Jed is an interesting character for us. You know, we've, we write the tier one series and the sons of valor series, yeah. and uh, we're, we're known for our military action adventure, covert ops. And the characters that we generally write are the characters you'd expect in that genre, right? These are guys at the peak of their game. They've got their backstory. They've got their motivations. They've got their brotherhood, but they're at, the peak of their game. In Jed, we need a guy who's sort of the polar opposite of the classic thriller hero. When you meet Jed, he's a damaged guy. He is broken physically. He's being forced to medically retire because of a serious injury that he got downrange. He's broken emotionally because he's alone. He's leaving the only thing he has, which is the brotherhood of the teams, because he's already walked away from his family and his relationships in the past. But he's also broken spiritually. This is a guy that wanted to pursue a ministry as a young man and ran away from it uh, cowardly uh, in the face of true evil. You know, a coward who ran away to the SEAL team seems like a paradox. Uh, <laughs> but, a paradox. but spiritually, spiritually, he's broken. And so here's this broken guy who we're going to take on a hero's journey. And that was a bit of a challenge. And what you have to what Jed has to do is he has to be Jed. He has to do that team and mission before self that becomes part of your DNA when you serve at that level. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he opens himself up to physical healing, to emotional healing, to finding purpose and to spiritual healing, to have to confront those demons of his, of crisis of what does it all mean? Where is God in this broken world? Can I still believe that he exists and that he cares about us? And so it's a kind of a neat arc but starts at a very non-traditional place for the thriller genre, I think. Well, yeah, because there's the anti-hero and people have grown used to the anti-hero. There's the reluctant hero. Joseph Campbell, of course, uh, wrote about uh, the structure of myth, the reluctant hero and the, you know, the gatekeepers, et cetera. But the broken hero. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I understood the, you know, the medical challenges and, and being, you know, uh, had to take a medical retirement. Um, but as you mentioned this now, as I think through more of this, um, I think about the, the broken nature of Jed comes through that moment of cowardice that, that isn't paid off. I think until the last book, um, and that's dark fall and it is out now. It's right here. There's a link in the show notes. We're going to continue chatting with Jeff, um, because, the payoff of that was one of the most emotional moments I've had in a thriller. And that's the other thing I want to talk with you about in a second is the fact that you don't you don't shy away from bringing in real emotion in this. Um, you know, Jeff was kind enough to mention these guys bone frog coffee. I'm not going to take the hat off because it would cause all sorts of errant noise. Um, but it's at bonefrog.us. 
And I'll tell you something that's, and um, this might interest you, Jeff, the way I met Tim uh, was very definitely a God thing. All my friends write books. I'm really good at writing beginnings and endings. And then I'm just, I cannot write the middle of the books. But my, my friend Cyrus, um, he wrote a whole book, right? Beginning, middle and end. And he was signing it at a coffee shop. And a guy named Tim Cruikshank came over and he was looking at the book and he turned it over and I had written the comments uh, on, you know, the, the dust jacket. I did that thing. I can write those beginning, middle and end, you know, there's six sentences. And, <laughs> and Cruikshank says, wait a minute, you know, Todd. And so I said, yeah, I know Todd. He goes, I goes, yeah, been in business with him. He's a good friend. I was at Microsoft with him. And he goes, oh, everybody I talked to says, you got to meet Herman. You got to meet this guy. Can you do that? And so, oh, Absolutely. It was a total God thing. And then as I've gotten to know Tim, there's so much on his journey people don't know about Bonefrog Coffee, but you said it yourself. Like, um, hey, you know, hey, if the coffee sucks, brother, I'm not, I, I'm sorry, I can't promote it, right? So I'm not going to lie. So I was so nervous. And then what do I have here? Oh, and this was the big thing for me. When when the, um, when the I got the coffee and I tasted it, I said, oh, thank gosh. Thank, thank you, Lord. It's good. Um, and we deal this deal with bonefrog.us. You get 5% off a subscription fee, uh, for 5% off a subscription to coffee for a lifetime. Um, there's merch there. Uh, there's new roasts coming. And I'm telling you, you have an opportunity to be a first gen person into a company that's about to take a leap. And these guys, these guys were kind enough to mention Bonefrog in the books. And it's at the end of the books. Now, of course, that's going to do more than my cast has ever done um, because they're them and I'm just some rodeo clown. But it's bonefrog.us. If you haven't tried the coffee yet, just take the taste challenge. Look at the bag, God Country Team, and subscribe. And get it around the Thanksgiving table and talk about being thankful for folks who fought our battles for us. Even though, as Jeff has made clear, our stuff is our stuff. Um, so on the topic of... of Jedediah, he's also, he finds himself surrounded um, with uh, some, a, a mentor. Well, actually, he's, he finds himself mentored by a guy who, as, as he starts to make his way into this new unit and this new team, and again, I'm, I'm, I want to be so careful about not giving stuff away, um, but the boss, I, I feel like, like Jedediah was coming in saying, well, I'm, I'm the superstar here, and, and clearly I'm the top guy. And I'm going to get some special treatments um, or at least get recognized. And maybe I was misreading that. But, the, but, but when he realized that, wait, I'm in a unit here where this guy, he's not going to give me anything um, until a certain point. And so let's talk about his mentor and that character that had to come from someone, you know. Yeah. So, well, I will say that the characters that we write in all our series, yeah. and this one's no exception, they're all at a minimum, they're amalgams of people we know, right? So. Yeah. Um, the, the character of Ben Morvant, uh, who you only really meet at the very end of book one, he's a very central character in the second and third book and continues in the rest of the series. Um, he's a neat guy because he's, he's, he is leading the way I think guys like you and me want to be led. You know what I mean? He leads from the front. He leads, uh, from the middle. He leads from the back. He's, He's a teammate, and that's sort of something that is uh, a big part of the special warfare community, of course. So Ben is a neat guy because uh, he is the guy that is going to mentor our main character, Jed, not just as an operator in this new space that he finds himself in, but as a man who is seeking his truth, right? He's trying to figure out what he really wants to know about God. What What is God's role in his life? What is the real truth yeah. behind 
this fallen world and where God is. And and I what I we I like about what we created in Ben and also this uh, this other character Mike Moore, uh, who's based on a very good friend of mine, um, is that quiet way that they do it um, through example rather than beating you over the head with it. But yeah, that scene at the beginning of book two, where he comes in and says, no, 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 you, you don't understand. I'm a, I'm not a new recruit. Right. I'm, I did 15 years in the SEAL teams. I'm a, I'm a senior chief for goodness sake. Right. And, right, right. Uh, and yet there he is at the beginning, like he's going through basic. So um, that was something that we incorporated into the book because we were asking ourselves, what would that look like to be 15 years in you've, you've been operating for 15 years and now you're in this brand new situation so much of what we do in war, especially in special operations and in this fictional unit we created, is based on relationship. It's based on camaraderie and team and trust of your teammates. How could you thrust a guy into this situation and have all that instantly? You couldn't, right? right. Because that stuff is right. earned over years of shared struggle and shared danger and all of these things. And so how could you... If you were going to create a unit like that, how could you recreate that? Maybe you could do it this way. You could have the guys that are in the unit and have been for years every now and then when new guys come, they all have to go through that same basic training algorithm together and have that shared suffering to bond them into a team that can function well. So that was what we were trying to replicate there. Uh, And of course, Ben Morvan as the mentor trying to trying to share those lessons with Jed. But yeah. that's it's cool that you picked up on that because that's a real fun element that we really enjoyed writing. Oh, there's so much. Uh, you know, I have the other books, but a friend of mine heard I had them and and, uh, and I let him borrow them on his trip to <laughs> France. Uh, I'd hold those up as well. Um, there, you know, I have a lot of friends who are wrestlers. I grew up a wrestler and, and a lot of my friends ended up at Olympic levels and and college national championships. And, and they talk about the fact that even at that level, you know, you're four year wrestler. Um, you know, I've got some friends who've second place three times, and one guy who's you know won the nation four times. Every year, you know, they start with being in your base, right? Okay, let's get in a good solid base. Like the same thing that you learn when you're a first year wrestler in fifth grade. So there's these fundamentals, and at some point in the, I think it's the first novel. Uh, in this series, the Shepherd series is linked in the podcast notes. Highly endorse the books. Um, and if that's not enough, a friend of mine who's a um, highly decorated cop out of Seattle said, this is the best thing I've ever read, closest thing I've ever read to what combat is like. Um, there's a moment in, in, in the book where Jed has to stop relying on his own wisdom, right? Rely not on your own wisdom. Um, um, fear God, shun evil. It seems pretty simple, but it's hard to do and particularly hard for a special operator to do. And there's a detail I will not give away, uh, but one of the people looking out for Jed might be seen as the least of these. Um, certainly not someone you're going to go have your six in live combat. That's a special thing. I don't want to give that away. There you go. But that moment, did I catch that right? That Jedediah had to stop relying on his own wisdom? Yeah. And isn't that, isn't that true for all of us or whatever we do for a living? Eventually you get to the point where you have to accept that the only way to move forward is to give up the control that you never really had anyway, right? Like you've, you've convinced yourself that you are in control, but you're not, you're not in control. And only by surrender in, you know, in ministry, especially in military ministry, we talk about this concept of surrender a lot 
What does it look like? What does it really mean? Yeah. You know, there the things that are easy to surrender are the great big things you can't control anyway, right? Like you have, you get a bad diagnosis. I'm going to surrender that to you, God. Well, sure, because <laughs> what can you do about it, right? That's easy. Right. Um, but the day-to-day stuff and the, the kinetic stuff as you move through your day, and as you said, for an operator, even more difficult to be able to trust the instincts that you believe that God has given you. And we gave him another mentor that you alluded to. And like you, I don't want to give away too much because it's such a delicious uh, evolution of these relationships. But he has an unlikely mentor, especially on the faith side, in the girl he's trying to rescue, Sarah Beth. And you learn much more about her as the novels progress. But Sarah Beth is a cool character because she is terrified, but has that simple faith that as adults, we lose somehow. It's very easy for us to lose that that beautiful come to me like a child thing that Jesus talks about. If you can recapture that as an adult, then you can do great things. And and so in some ways, this little girl who he is rescuing, right, yeah. in the first book is a mentor, is almost a spiritual mentor. I don't think Jed is ever fully aware of that, but I think the reader is. I think the reader picks up on this little thread of the contrast between these two. Oh, yeah. And that was really fun to play with also. Oh, and that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful aspect to the book. Um, you know, I have a prayer group I don't get to go to as much as I'd like. I, I need to change my schedule so I can get back to this. And and they're just prayer warriors. They're those quiet heroes who are, who are praying for all of us and in our world and our friends. And we had a uh, woman come in, uh, broken marriage, her husband had fallen into, um, you know, using pornography and which is, you know, just a trap. Oh my goodness. Satan loves that stuff. And, um, and she came in in tears and asked for prayer and and came to a bunch of, uh, you know, our, our sessions. And she was in there when my friend Jana's daughter, um, who, um, uh, is special needs, but also specially gifted. Uh, she said, all of us were giving our big prayers and all of us were trying to be eloquent and, and use the word of God and, and, you know, trying to just pray into this. And, and Stacy wanted to pray, Jeff, you know what she said? She said, dear God, make her husband stop being mean. And that was it. Like, how do you, how do you get better than that? Um, there is a character in the book. And again, I'm going to leave it to you if you want to say the names or I, I want to be careful because I loved unfolding this mystery. And I was so, I did not expect the, the, the breadth of the plot line because of the action and the focus on that. And you guys do such a great job at this. It's a gargantuan plot line. Um, and I think about the character who is a temptation for Jed, uh, a woman. And you guys involve her and, and Sarah Beth and some of the uh, young people in the, in, in the work and someone else. I don't want to give that away. But you provide a thief on the cross moment, right? The thief on the cross moment was it was not too late, right? It was not too late for someone right. to do the right thing. So when you talk with people who have been in combat, do you ever confront brothers who are burdened by, but I had to do really bad things, Jeff. I had to do really violent things. And do they ever have trouble um, taking that to the cross and, and, and dealing with that? Or, or brothers who've you know, come home and self-medicated. And not, you know, not all guys go through this. I don't want to 
do the Dan Rather thing where all you guys are broken and living in trees in the woods. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, but have right. you confronted that where brothers will say to you uh, or sisters for that matter? It's too late for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's common. In fact, I don't know that they vocalize it so clearly. Yeah, but you can sense that that's what's holding them back. Like, yeah, my my stuff is just too big. My stuff is just too horrible. The things I've done or the things I've seen. I think that's a separate element from the first one we were talking about earlier, that crisis in faith where you're like, look, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe in God. I'm just thinking maybe he's kind of a jerk, like that he would allow these things to happen. That trap of, you know, God let this happen or whatever, instead of viewing the world as a fallen place where we have to get through. But that second element that you're talking about now, very, very common, I think, and and not unique to military, like all of us, no matter what your background, we have that thing that we think is bigger than God. And how absurd, right? How patently absurd. When you look at the people that Christ surrounded himself with, Mm -hmm. it kind of makes you feel a little better about yourself, right? Like if, if Paul could write most of the, or half of the new Testament after persecuting and murdering Christians, um, maybe there's hope for me, right? Maybe I am redeemable. Um, if you look at Peter and his anger issues, if you look at the, you know, the Matthew, the tax collector, I mean, he wasn't surrounding himself with the pious church leaders by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that that's the, that's the message of, of the gospel for us, that God uses you where you are. He'll meet you wherever you are. He will give you what you need to forgive yourself as he forgives you. And then he can use you for a higher purpose. Um, when we start thinking it's about us, that's when we get trapped in that cycle you're talking about. Well, well, it's about me. And so my stuff is too big. If you, When you accept that it's not about you, it's about the kingdom of God, then letting go of that is a little bit easier. And you can open your mind to and, and your eyes to what you see right in front of you in the scripture. Jonah, like running away. And like, right. it, it just goes on and on and on. The entire Bible is nothing but flawed, broken characters. I mean, look at David, you know, God's most beloved king yeah. and the horrible things he did. Yeah, He paid consequences for him because there is consequences, but he still was able to to achieve great things for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so that's the message we, we try to share with guys that are struggling with that idea. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. And I know we had tech problems at the beginning. Can I hold you for one more segment? Um, I don't want to keep you though. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. All right. Um, and we're talking with- Oh, no, we're good. Okay, good. Um, the books uh, series is linked in the podcast notes. We're talking about the newest, it's the third installment. And uh, the series is called The Shepherd Series. This third book is called Dark Fall. Do not- do not just buy this one. You have to have all of them. Um, the, the story and the character arc is so, so character arcs are so important and so big. Hey, as we're talking about all of this, you can, you know, obviously relate to the fact that we live in a risky environment. I mean, not like these guys, but we have our own risks. I was just reading this morning that a, um, a fuel company CEO has come out or fuel company, not the CEO has come out and said the United States is in a devolving situation. Uh, that's probably not great because they're talking about the 19, most 18 to 19 days of diesel fuel we have on hand in the country. And I ain't no strategic genius. Uh, I'm just a simple bumpkin who broadcasts from the high mountains in Idaho, right? With poor internet connection. But I'll just tell you this. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the food supplies run on that stuff. I'm pretty sure you got no fuel, you got no trains. Um, then there's the strategic 
you know, petroleum reserves. And we're spending that to make fuel prices seem lower, but we're not going to pump more. In any case, it's risky. Um, and you've heard my friend, my brother, Zach Abraham, who stewards money for people, Bore Capital Management. He's on with us once a week, every Friday. Guys, he's been talking about the risk of this for a decade. I'm talking about the zero interest rate loans that go to the big deals and the mobbed up nature of the financial system. And it's ungodly and it's risky. I call it the chaos economy. So here's the thing I am going to ask you to do before the end of the year. Determine whether your portfolio, be it starting out or advanced, determine whether it can withstand the chaos economy. Now, how do you do that? My suggestion is you call Bulwark Capital Management at 866-779-RISK and you talk to Zach and his team. And they'll tell you if in their estimation, it will withstand the chaos economy, 866-779-RISK. And you can also go to knowyourriskradio.com and they concentrate on risk management. That's their full, full focus, risk management, bulwark capital management, 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Remember, investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. And yeah, I do have to say that the government wants me to say that. So I do it. Romans 13, don't you know? Uh, Jeff Wilson's with us. Uh, one of the co-authors of the Shepherd series. You're talking about Dark Fall. So I said that this is going to be the toughest question um, I'm going to give you. Um, because I live in the high mountains of North Idaho, um, it's a pretty conservative place. And there are a whole bunch of people um, that, that I live around in the hills who served it's not a place you want to come and try bringing an Antifa up here. Don't do that. That's a bad call. Um, and my question is, a lot of people I know, Christian brothers, who are so concerned about uh, the state of the country, um, they're wondering about you know this, this just war scenario. And they're wondering about how hard they resist. And this is a tough question because I'm not a guy saying, hey, let's, let's arm up and, and go do anything. That's, that's not my call. And I don't think we're at that point or close to that point. And God forbid we get to that point. Um, but what do you as a warrior think of in terms of talking to brothers? Because I'll just be brutally blunt. You know, I've had guys come to me and say, hey, you know what? We can wipe Antifa out. And I had some special operators when Antifa had seized, you know, six blocks of Seattle and they were nightly trying to kill federal cops in Portland. And you remember that every night they were trying to get into that courthouse and murder federal cops. And I had guys say to me, hey, we could go clean that up. And I said, number one, I know. Number two, I can't have this conversation with you. Number three, I pray to you, don't. Don't do this. Do not give evil what it wants. Um, but, you know, you guys swore to protect us. And, and to serve the Constitution and the country. And uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm avoiding the question uh, because it's such a tough one. What do you tell people? Because I can't be the only one hearing that from guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think that this country has gotten to the place where there's so much anger on both sides that we stopped viewing each other as brothers and sisters. You know, I live, I come from a pretty big family and now I've got four kids of my own. And, um, I can tell you, everyone doesn't always get along everybody does not always agree. Everyone doesn't have the same point of view, yeah. but when you're a family and you love each other, you work it out and you get through it. And when you surrender to anger, when you surrender to, you know, rigidity, 
in your point of view, then um, even when you're right, and I'm not saying that I'm I'm not saying that it's bad to be right, but when you're focused more on being right than doing what's right, then you are doing exactly what you just said, Todd. I, those words are perfect. You are letting you're giving evil what it wants. Because if you look at the theme of these books, the supernatural warfare, the spiritual warfare that's raging, good versus evil, one thing I know you picked out of this, and you're trying not to spoil stuff, and we appreciate that, is this idea that how does evil win? Evil doesn't win by destroying good people. Evil wins by destroying people's souls. It destroys people's relationships. It destroys the love that people are supposed to have for one another. So the whole idea of these dark forces in these books is what I believe happens in the real world, which is evil wins when you allow yourself to be filled with hatred instead of love. And I don't mean that in some hippie, you know, you know what I'm saying? When, when you look at the person that disagrees with you as the enemy, instead of as somebody that disagrees with you and is still an American, then you have given in to the hatred and you are giving evil what it wants. I think you you termed it exactly right. So as Christian men, what is our job? Our job is to speak truth unashamedly. But how did Christ do it? He did it through love, right? He went. He didn't go to Matthew and say, you filthy tax collector, get your act together, right? Yeah. What did he do? He said, hey, let's break bread. Let's have a meal. And our country used to be able to do that. And someone is going to have to eventually be the adult in the room and say, I disagree with you, but let's break bread together and let's talk about it and see where we have common ground. And the moment that you give in to the hatred yeah. and, and believe me, I get it. I, I watch the news too. And I see things, my wife will tell you, I'm, I'm just as guilty of getting schooled up and saying, what are we doing? But if you can turn and spend some time in prayer, surround yourself with uh, with brothers who can redirect you and counsel you so that you have a biblical perspective, you'll find that that's not the the avenue. As warriors, we're sworn to protect everybody. And uh, that means our fellow Americans, even when they're being complete morons. Yeah. And so we have to find that balance between truth and love. We can't love, we can't find truth through hatred. We got to do it through a biblical lens like Christ did. Uh, I wouldn't be giving anything away, I think, to say that, you know, the the, the books wrap up with um, some wins and some losses and an overall win, uh, but it's not the win you think. And, and, and like we expect our heroes to do well. It's not the win you think. Uh, it's really not. And, and you bring Jed to a sort of a full circle moment physically. But he's forever changed. But, and I'm, I'm going to be super careful here. The Lord Jesus had once said of a specific class of demon, this one can only be banished with prayer. Right? Okay. And, and I saw that. I'm not going to get further than that. But I'll tell you this. I met um, a visiting pastor at our church recently who said something that has really stuck with me, which is when you're tempted to hate people who are doing terrible things to our country. Um, you know, I lived in Seattle when they were tearing it apart. And, and, and you know, they were going out and... I watched them uh, lock cops in a construction trailer and try to burn them alive. And that's hard for me to not hate those guys um, who did that because I've been blessed to know a lot of Seattle cops and a lot of them are over here now. Um, Pastor said this, he said, um, those people are captives. Are you going to look at a kidnapped child who has Stockholm syndrome and is doing what the captors tell them to do? Are you going to hate that child? Right. Well, we are all 
creations of God. Those of us who've been adopted into the family through the blood of Christ were children of God. And these people are spiritually captive. And I would say that your book in the book series um, that, that you guys wrote, um, there is a release of captivity at the end. And of all the victories, right? If you don't, if you don't see the release of captivity, reread the, reread the series. Did I, did I get that one? I think you nailed it exactly right. And I love everything you just said, Todd. It hits it right on the head. And it's what we tried to bring forward in the book that, um, you know, one of the hardest things to do as a believer is to accept that God loves that jackass as much as he loves you, right? You feel like you're doing all the right things yeah. and you're going to a Bible study yeah, and you're right. going to church and right. leading a ministry and you're writing inspiring books. Right. He must have a special love for you compared to this guy. No, it's just like when, if you have kids, you look at your kids, you know, like I'm having trouble with this one right now, but that doesn't mean I love the other three more in that season. I'm pouring more love into that problem right. kid because I want him to be back in the fold. Right. And so accepting that God loves that jackass, that that's his child, just like you are, man, that's tough. That is tough. But yes, it's, it's really fun to talk to you about this series because you picked up on so many of these little nuggets that we worked so hard to put into the, into the narrative to, to do this arc and this evolution and how to surround that with the Andrews and Wilson brand of action and thriller and covert ops was fun, but it was a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> so it's really cool that you picked up on that. When we talk again sometime, I, I have a whole bunch of questions about how you write as a partner. I used to be songwriting partners with the guy and that presented challenges and joys, but man, something of this size and scope. So folks, listen, you can read the, you, you must read the series, the Shepherd series, please do. Um, and you can choose to read it as action adventure. Um, but I invite you to read it as a story um, that's a guide for all of us, because as, as Jeff said so well, our thing is our thing. And you face evil on a daily basis. Um, and when we put on the armor of God, um, we are able to face that with, you know, with him and we are undefeated. When we put on the armor of God, because God is undefeated and we stand in a position of victory. Uh, so let's all remember that. And um, you know, Jeff, I always ask my guests uh, to go with God's good grace. So please do go with God's good grace. And thank you so, so much for being uh, so very generous with your time. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and walk in the full armor of God.